Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to the Scraby Show, everyone, or Chris would call it the Scraby Experience on 97.3 The Fan. Thanks for joining me tonight. I know you've heard a lot of my voice today, which is okay. I am in a good mood, and I'm ready to keep talking about sports, talk about the Padres. We're going to talk about the different farm systems around baseball and which team has the best farm system. We're going to talk about the NFL playoffs. I have to make an embarrassing admission about my list the other night, and we'll get to all of that a little later. You can join me on YouTube, 97.3 The Fan. Search that at in YouTube. You can go to our X page as well. It's uh, Broadcasting Live there and Facebook. You can go and watch the Scravy Show there. I wanted to start real quick by talking about Tory Pines because we started the Gwyn and Chris or Sammy and Scravy Show with Tory Pines, and I went to I was able to play it yesterday, and I was able to play it with uh, Ben Higgins, and it was amazing that I actually played well in front of Ben Higgins because usually whenever I say I play well or I do play well, it's like with no one that can verify it. But Ben did verify it, and it was a it was a good day yesterday. I will say though, these pros, I have no idea how they do it, and I was you know pretty surprised at myself yesterday for some of the shots that I had. The rough is not as bad as I remember it. It was as it was last year, at least. I was able to chop some of those balls out. And uh, I didn't feel like the rough was the most difficult part of the course. I felt like the greens were the most difficult part of the course yesterday just because the greens were fast. I mean, they started out a little bit slow when we started our round. But then as the day went on, I realized that the, the biggest difference between a PGA Tour player's course and a regular normal person's course is the distance off the tee is the number of yards you're going to play, as well as the speed of the greens. The speed of the greens change everything. And it was very difficult for me to be able to, you know, chip on and keep it anywhere near the hole because they had all the Sunday pin locations. So I was in golf heaven yesterday. I'll just say it. I was in golf heaven. Picks or it didn't happen, Anthony said. Uh I don't actually have any picks of the golf, but we do have Ben Higgins on the morning show saying that I played pretty well. So I'm going to take that as my uh, I'm going to take that as my proof to everyone. Thanks for everybody who's joining me in the YouTube right now. See it populating. Uh, what's up, Eric? What's up, El Nava? Thanks everybody for joining me. C20 as well. 
uh, is if uh, anyone has any golf questions, I'm now a professional and you can ask me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not a professional. Not even close to being a pro- professional. Uh, I'm Matt Scraby, and tonight let's get into the top stories of the day. And the first top story of the day is going to be what happened at Alabama today. Kalen DeBoer. He was hired by the Alabama Crimson Tide. He's the former Washington uh, coach, and he was just the Washington coach in the national championship. But he has been poached, and he is now heading to Tuscaloosa, and he's going to be the head coach of Alabama. Now, he was just at Fresno State just a few years ago. And so his his background and his and what he has been uh, you know known to do as a coach is pretty good. Overall, his teams have gone 104 and 12 in his time as a head coach. Period. He was the head coach at NAIA Sioux Falls from 2005 to 2009. He went 67 and three in the five years that he was there. He had three undefeated seasons, and with Washington, he went 25 and three in his two seasons. Um, with them, he went 12 and six under Fresno State in 2020 and 2021. This guy has a real this this guy has a real uh he has a real track record of winning and he seems like he gets it it seems like all the players that he brings in love to play for him and so I I think this is going to work out now I don't know that if he had any idea that he would be moving to Alabama here during the national championship I don't know how long this Nick Saban thing has been going on whether or not he wants to retire or how long the school has known about it but I got to think something like that big, that big of news is hard to keep under wraps. And even if you tell minimal people, somehow, some way, it might get out there. And uh, so I, I believe that this was a, a spur of the moment type thing. And so Kalen DeBoer, the head coach of Washington, is going to go to Alabama. And as I said on Gwen and Chris, I think if Alabama comes calling for, for you to be their head coach of their program, you know, I think I'm going to go take that. And I think uh, the students and the athletes are going to understand that at Washington. This is like the holy grail, one of the holy grails of college football coaching. And he's going to get all the support he needs at Alabama. And he does have some big shoes to fill with Nick Saban going. I mean, seven national championships in his career. It's just, it's not an easy thing to to, to, uh, to do to follow up a legend like Nick Saban was. But we'll see what he does uh, next year. We'll see how Alabama looks next year. Now, the second news story of the day is going to be Patriots hiring Gerard Mayo to replace Bill Belichick as head coach. I missed yesterday because I was golfing, and so I wasn't on X or Facebook or any of those apps as much, so I didn't see much of the uh, the uh, Bill Belichick um, reaction but apparently Gerard Mayo had this in his contract to be the successor to Bill Belichick and his time with the New England Patriots is well Belichick's is over and Gerard Mayo is just beginning. I guess it's a kind of a similar situation to uh DeBoer as well because you're coming in and you're replacing a legend. And it's it, it, like I just said, it's really difficult to replace a legend. Fans do not want you to replace legends. Fans do not want the legends to go anywhere. But Bill Belichick is, and Gerard Mayo, who's been on his staff for a little while, is uh, going to take over. And, you know, that makes sense that they would have a coach ready to go once Bill Belichick stepped down. We started getting the the rumors in, I think it was around week 10, when the Patriots went to, I think it was Germany. 
and they ended up losing in Germany. And there were reports saying that Bill Belichick was going to be out of the Patriots at the end of the year or possibly even after week 10. Of course, that didn't happen. He was able to coach out the rest of the season. But uh, this has been brewing for a little bit. So I think uh, that the Patriots, obviously, they know what they're doing. They have good ownership. Um, and they have a track record of winning. It just doesn't happen in the last couple of years. And speaking of like people who have to replace legends, I mean, Mac Jones had to replace Tom Brady, which is not easy at all. I mean, there were a couple other quarterbacks, you know, that have played for the Patriots, but replacing Tom Brady is not an easy thing whatsoever. Now, the third news story of the day, and let me tell you, it is a slow sports Newsday. I have been trying to find some news all day, and I haven't really found a good third one. But what I will say is, you know, I'm going to go with the Juan Soto story of him making one year, or he agreed to his his contract with the Yankees for one year, thirty one million dollars. And I guess this isn't a, it, it's not it's not a huge deal. It's not a surprise or anything like that. But that is what Juan Soto did agree to thirty one million dollars, and that's what the Padres are saving. And it's, it's just kind of a little nuts to me that halfway through the year, I don't think that anyone thought Juan Soto would be a Yankee at the start of 2024. But the mo- the further we get away from the Juan Soto deal and the further we get away from from all of the, the information that surrounded that, I think uh, the Padres made the right choice. They're just, they're just not set up right now to be able to field a full team that has good major leaguers on it and they got a bunch of guys in return for Juan Soto so I think that was the right move also he's just a rental with the Yankees for now I mean the Yankees could end up giving him a contract for the long term but right now he's just a rental he's only there for one year so it's a World Series or bust as it always is in New York with the Yankees but at the same time it's a Juan Soto on your team or bust because you got to take advantage of it. Like the Padres, we talked about it. That uh, We talked about it when, it, when uh, they first got him. Or actually at the end of the season, we talked about how it was three bites at the apple. The first one came when they went to the NLCS. Everybody was really pumped up. Three bites of the playoff apple, I should say. Postseason apple. They went to the NLCS. We all know the Phillies won. But they ended up making for a pretty, pretty um, memorable postseason run there. And then his, uh, um, sorry, I just got distracted. This is why I can't watch the TV and do the show at the same time. I wasn't actually watching the TV and doing the show at the same time, but I saw something funny and then it distracted me like a goldfish. I'm sorry about that. I'm going to focus on the show. But his second bite of the apple, they missed the playoffs. So the second bite of the apple was more disappointing than the first, and we didn't even get a third bite of the apple. It, that That's the most disappointing part, I think, is that, there was never really an opportunity to see it through. And even though the Padres made the right decision, it just is, uh, it's a its a tough decision to make because of what he brings to your team. And I know that some Padres fans were angered by it, and I know that some Padres fans were happy by it. But Juan Soto's just, uh, you know, he's never been, uh, he's never been cheap around baseball. So, I mean, he turned down a, a reported over $500 million contract with the Nationals before and if you can turn down that, you can turn down anything. So that is story number three for the day. You listen to Matt Scraby, The Scraby Show. Chris and Tony are going to be back. All of us are going to be back on Tuesday. So you'll get a Gwen and Chris on Tuesday with the guys. 
Uh, Chris is traveling to Boise, and Tony is at a soccer tournament, I believe. So he's enjoying that. Uh, yes, Dan on the chat. Yes, Scraby, TV distractions, no bueno. You're absolutely right. That is one of the biggest issues that I have. I'm very, very ADD. And it's hard sometimes when you're sitting in this room, as I am by myself. But I'm doing my best, and I appreciate everybody sticking with me, which it seems like some are, and I appreciate that. Anthony says, that first buy at the Apple was memorable, and I'll always be a fan. It was definitely memorable. I remember those games like it was yesterday. I remember that those, both those Dodgers games where they beat the Dodgers, I should say Padres games, really. But I remember both of those games, and it was pretty It was pretty incredible to see the city come together like it did. And I, I really felt like people were um, nicer to each other during the time that the Padres were in the playoffs. So hopefully, you know, things come together this year, and they'll be able to get into the playoffs, and they'll be able to have another bite at the apple sans Juan Soto. But we'll have to wait and see about that and uh, see where they go this year. We talked about it for the last four hours with Sammy and Scraby, and we talked about how you know they have a lot of work to do right now, a ton of work to do right now, but they still have a little bit of time. So uh, we need to be a little bit patient. I, at least I'm going to be patient with the team because they do have a little bit of time to make make the roster and to get guys in place, but two outfielders and some rotation spots, I'm going to be paying close attention to what, A.J. Preller and the Padres are going to be doing here in the next month or so before spring training. And that's it for the top three stories. And that's it for the first segment. When we get back on the Scraby Show, we are going to talk about some of the farm systems around baseball. And they actually rank the farm systems. And you'll be surprised at where the Padres are at in this article. So we'll talk about, I will tell you where the Padres are after executives pick the best farm systems in 2024 when we get back on the Scraby Show, 97.3 The Fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Matt Scraby here with you on a Friday night. 97.3 97.3 The Fan, The Scraby Show, going until 7 p.m. 
Man, I haven't done this much sports talk in a long time, and I'm loving it. I'm wired. People are asking me if I'm tired yet. I'm not going to get tired. Like, literally, this is what I've been wanting to do my entire life. So I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. People who won't have a smile on their face tomorrow will be the fans at the Chiefs game. I got to talk about this weather real quick because I think everybody knows already that I'm a, you know, I'm I'm very interested in these weather games that are happening in the NFL over the weekend, the playoff, the Super Wild Card weekend playoffs. And uh the Chiefs and the Dolphins are going to be playing tomorrow night, and the Chiefs and the Dolphins are going to be probably facing the coldest conditions ever for an NFL game. Now, I'm honestly thinking at some point you have to maybe postpone the game because, you know, uh, it's not worth dying over. But the National Weather Service says that all fans of the Chiefs-Dolphins game have to cover all extremities, including your head and face. It's going to be extremely dangerous uh, quote-unquote extremely dangerous, the National Weather, Weather Service says, and there will be a wind chill of negative 30 degrees. Negative 30 degrees. Now, I told the story the other day of me going to Minnesota for the Super Bowl and it being about 4 degrees every day with a wind chill of minus 20. And honestly, if you've never been in that weather, you have zero idea what it's like. You may have an idea, okay, I'm going to be cold. No, it's like when they say bone-chilling cold, this is bone-chilling cold. Like, it's incredible that you're able to layer up maybe five times, you know, have a have a shirt, you know, have a shirt, have a flannel, have another flannel, have a sweatshirt, have a big jacket, and it's still going to be freezing. The wind is going to cut right through you. So, honestly, I don't really know if this will be a good game tomorrow because of how cold it is, and... I remember a few, or not a few years ago, more than a few years ago, when Tom Coughlin was coaching the Giants and he was playing the Packers in Green Bay and it was freezing, and his face almost fell off, basically. So um, that was very serious, and I think that they're going to have to cover their faces a little bit more for the Chiefs game, Chiefs and Dolphins, but that's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, M McKee 23 says on the chat, my husband is from Minneapolis has been here for 20 plus years and never going back. And I, I mean, Minneapolis during the summertime is great, but the winter is just brutal. It's, it's brutal. Now the bills and the Steelers are going to be playing on Sunday and the national weather service has issued something for them as well. So these are some crazy games, but a winter storm watch has been issued for Bills Steelers. There's going to be 65 mile an hour wind gusts and at least over a foot of snow travel travel will be difficult to impossible i know you can't really move playoff games but at the same time these two situations seem like they warrant possibly moving the game or at least playing without fans but over a foot of snow in buffalo and 65 mile an hour wind gusts scheduled for that game on sunday that 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 is crazy i can't even imagine playing in that C20 on the chat says, snow games are fire on TV. They are on TV. Oh, I get it. There was a joke there. Snow games are fire, dot, 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 on TV. Yeah, Ziku Elliott of the Patriots said last week that he grew up always wanting to play in a snow game, and then finally he got to play in a snow game last week against the Jets in Foxborough, and he said, this stinks. I, I didn't like it at all. It was not good. Um, so I told you before we went to break, we're going to talk about the best 
prospect systems or the best farm systems in baseball in 2024. So this was an MLB pipeline poll, and it, this was written by Jonathan Mayo, one of the MLB pipeline experts. And so they surveyed some of the executives around the league, and here are some of the results. When asked to vote on the best farm system in baseball, the Orioles clock in at number one with 79% of executives thinking they have the best farm system. So watch out for the Orioles with 79%. The second place team, the Dodgers, but only 4% of executives thought they had the best farm system. And then you got guy, then you got a team with also 4% tied with the Dodgers, the Pittsburgh Pirates, which they do make a lot of. They, they they do make a lot of um, moves, and they do make a lot of trades, and they do take in a lot of prospects. So it's kind of interesting to see that 4% of baseball executives thought at least they were the best farm system in baseball because, uh, you know, that tells me a lot that you're not voting for the Orioles when everybody else is voting for the Orioles. But, I mean, the, the, the Orioles, what they did last year was just the beginning, I believe. They have – Adley Rutschman, they have Gunnar Henderson, they have a bunch of other guys. Um, I think Santander is on their team, I believe, maybe. Uh, Yes, I think so. Anyway, uh, Baltimore, watch out for them next year. Now, the next question that was asked to these executives, which team uses the draft the best? And if you're talking about the Padres and you're talking about A.J. Preller and you're talking about uh, you're talking about what he's good at. And what he's good at is finding that talent that is maybe not necessarily on anyone else's radar, and he drafts them. But And you would think with the Padres having the best farm system a couple years ago and having all those big names that they traded over to the Nationals that the Padres would be using their draft the best. But according to executives, the Dodgers have the number one uh, spot for who uses the draft best, 41%. And immediately, I know it's kind of a ugh, but at the same time, you got to think about all of the players that they've been able to trade over the years that are help them acquire big names. And that's exactly what they've been doing. I mean, some of them are homegrown, but they have to, they had to ship a bunch of their prospects over to the Nationals when Max Scherzer and Trey Turner came over. But 41%, according to executives, think the Dodgers had the best draft. And the second best draft, it shouldn't surprise you. It would be the Baltimore Orioles. Now, we're going to get back to this next team, the Rays, at 6%, because they have something later on that I want to talk about. But those are the top three, according to executives. And, uh, you know, there you go. It's L.A. and it's Baltimore with 73% of executives thinking they have the best draft. Now, here's a category when I saw immediately the question. Here's the category where I immediately saw um, – See, there I go, getting distracted by the chat again. Anthony Santander is not that young, though, Scraby. He's 29. I didn't. I don't think I said young. I just said he's on the team. Uh, which team plays the international market better than any other? And so when you think about this, you got to think the Padres are at the top of the list because they definitely do play, or they, they definitely are major players in the international market. They got Hassan Kim. They have Go now who came over. We got Matsui here on the team. You got uh, other guys in the past. But executives voted the Padres tied for second around baseball with 16% of executives thinking they use the international market the best. How could I forget? They also got Ethan Salas. That's uh that should be that should carry the weight of three players in itself with what he's been doing and the type of hype that he has that he is actually living up to so far. 
and I think continue will will continue to move, uh, live up to it. Sorry, I'm trying to talk too fast here. I need to slow it down a little bit. But executives said the Yankees use the international market the best at 21%, and I can see that. Uh, the Brewers, 16. Padres, 16. 12% for the Dodgers. It's really annoying that they're up there and so much in these, these polls. The Rays, 12%. Astros, 7%. And then others, 16%. Um, also receiving votes that were close to being up there, the Braves and the Guardians. But uh, the Padres should definitely be at the top of this list, and they are tied for second with 16% of executives thinking they used the international market the best. And here is one that the Padres don't really do much. They don't really acquire prospects anymore. They're not in the business of acquiring prospects. So the question was, what team is the best at acquiring prospects in trades? And 77% of the Rays, or of the, exactly, I just gave it away. 77% of the executives say the Rays are the best at acquiring prospects and trades. And in their, in their little blurb that they wrote up under uh, the, the vote, it says, if the Rays call, call asking about a prospect, especially a relatively lesser known one, hang up the phone immediately. Which the Rays, we know, that's how they make their hay. And... Although it, it's a strategy that hasn't produced a title for them in a little bit. I know they were in the World Series uh, you know, a few years back, but 77% of executives know that the Rays are very good at bringing in players that you may not think are that good, but they're actually going to turn out to be pretty good, which Jake Cronenworth, when he came from the Rays in, in a deal before the 2020 season, he was the throwing guy. He was the throwing guy in the trade, and usually the Rays are the team that takes advantage of the throwing guy. But this time, it was uh, Jake Cronenworth coming to the Padres, and he ended up finding himself a spot on this team. And we know how it's been over the last four years. But I, I have to say that no one thought Jake Cronenworth would be a guy that they were signing to a long-term contract when they acquired him before the 2020 season or the shortened season. So the other teams on this list, 6% for the Cubs, 6% for the Nationals, 4% for the Reds. But the the Rays just cleaning up on internet or in prospects via trades. Now here's the last one, and it would be, uh, or actually there's two more. Who has the most underrated farm system? Now, I've seen a couple things in the last few weeks about how the Padres do have a stronger farm system than people may think. The Padres got guys that we just haven't heard about yet. You know, we know of the Jackson Merrills and the Jacob Marcy's, but we still haven't seen some of these these guys that are playing at the lower levels. So I thought, actually, when I read this question, I thought the Padres were going to maybe possibly be a little bit higher on this list, but they are tied for fourth with five other teams. 4% of executives thought they were the most underrated farm system, which does surprise me a bit. The Red Sox, Tigers, and Mariners at 11% uh, were all tied for first, and the Reds at 9%. The Reds have been also building up their prospects. They've made trades in the past few years, and so I could see why their farm system is some, is underrated. But I, I thought the Padres made a little bit higher because of the things that I've been reading as of late, and they weren't. They were uh, tied, as I said, for fourth with five other teams. Now, the... Um, Final category is which team hoards its prospects the most. Now, this stood out to me because uh, a few years back, like maybe three or four years back, we had a thing that was called the producer show. It was Braden, Paul Rindel, and myself. And we would come in. I think we were filling in for the midday show at that point because of something. But anyway, 
it was right around the time where Mookie Betts was being rumored to, you know, be on the block by the Red Sox. And the Padres had all these prospects and they had all these guys that could be traded for Mookie Betts. And so I think people thought that I was a hoarder of prospects because it was I didn't want it. I didn't want the Padres to trade for Mookie Betts, not knowing the future of the team or of the contract with him. Like, is are they going to be able to extend him? How long are they going to have Mookie Betts in return for these prospects? And so I thought, you know, maybe the Padres could be on this list a little bit, but they have dealt a lot of prospects as of late. Uh, the Padres are not on this list. 27% of executives say the Orioles hoard their prospects the most, which is probably annoying to some of these other executives trying to steal them off of them. But 23% say the Guardians were... Uh, the Guardians were uh, a team that hoards its prospects the most. I know I just threw a ton of numbers, but I was just trying to go through and see where the Padres are at in the minds of different executives around baseball. And it doesn't really seem at the moment with these results that the Padres are a team that uh, executives are thinking about right now. But there is there was a, a, a sub question: which team is best at uncovering and developing sleeper prospects? The Padres did make that list at four percent. Uh, and they were one, two, three, four, five, six. They were seventh. Uh, Dodgers again, geez, twenty eight percent. But it goes to say, like how I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it goes to say how well the Dodgers are set up right now, and they do, they do do a good job with the players that they are drafting, with the players that they're receiving in trades, and with some of the prospects. They're good at developing them. That's one of the things, the criticisms I've seen about A.J. Preller and the Padres over the past few years is that they, they're not good at developing players. And if you're not good at developing players, then having these prospects are is not really that, that valuable to you. Because if you're not able to develop your player into a great player, then you're just going to get a mediocre player. And so if if I think one thing that the front office could improve on over the next few years with the Padres is for them to maybe make it an, make more of an effort to be a team that people think about development. And Ruben Niebla is definitely going to be developing some of these pitchers, and I think we all feel very comfortable with him developing the the, the players that were traded back for Juan Soto. But I think the hitters, they need more development of hitters within the organization. And uh, right now, you know, they're not known for that. And they're more known for spotting talent and getting talent, but maybe not maximizing that talent. And so I hope that changes over the next few years. And I really, um, you know, I'm hoping that the Padres are able to figure out how to get this roster filled without having to trade more prospects. Or, or trade Haas on Kim, which I don't think is going to happen and I don't want to happen, but you never know with baseball and you never know when you're kind of not desperate. I can't say desperate, but when you're in a place where you're looking at holes on your board, you, you, you might you might think, okay, maybe this is the only way we can fix this, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think that the Padres are going to figure it out here over the next month to five, five weeks or so. And they're going to be able to field the best team that they got. We can't judge this thing until opening day. And hopefully on opening day, I'm not saying the same thing. We can't judge this thing until a month in. We can't judge this until two months in. I believe that the Padres are going to make it work somehow. A.J. Preller is creative enough. He's driven enough. And we've seen him make deals before. Even if the deals didn't work out, 
we've seen deals be made. And so I believe they're going to bring in some more players very, very soon. Matt Scraby, this is the Scraby Show on 97.3 The Fan on a Friday. Appreciate everybody who's on the YouTube chat. Appreciate everybody who's commenting on my X account at Matt Scraby or Instagram at Matt Scraby. And when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the NFL playoffs and what's going on this weekend. Give you a couple thoughts and, I don't know, we'll have fun. It's a Friday, so stick with me. Scraby, the Scraby Show, back with you in just a couple minutes on 97.3 The Fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. That's Scraby back with you in the Odyssey Palace, 97.3 The Fan. The Scraby Show going until 7. And uh, we have a lot to talk about here in this last segment. The last final live weekday segment of the week here on 97.3 The Fan. And uh, I wanted to put up, uh, I wanted to read this chat real quick before we moved into the NFL. We also have our daily gripe at the end. And boy, do I have a good one today. And I think people are going to identify with that. But here's the chat. It says, I don't, it's from Austin. It says, I don't doubt the Padres are good at discovering hidden talent or releasing talent. But the second they have a glimmer of being a big deal, they are traded away. I found this comment interesting for a few reasons. And thank you, Austin, for writing in and watching. But I found it interesting for a few reasons because... It's true, and it's not – I mean, it's true, but at the same time, it's like when you have a prospect, sometimes the best way to maximize that prospect's value is to trade them. So if the Padres find a guy, I think – let's say like James Wood, I believe is his name. I hope it's his name. I'm pretty sure it's his name. James Wood was traded in the the with the Juan Soto deal from the Nationals to the Padres. He was able to go, and I know that a lot of people were talking about him uh, coming into, a lot of people were starting to chat about him. It wasn't like he was the talk of the town, but as the minor league season and spring training went, went forward, he was definitely the talk of different baseball executives and different baseball experts because he was really good. And you got to think, okay, well, if you want to get a guy like Juan Soto, you're going to have to give up guys like that. So in a sense, I guess keeping the prospects until they have a big name is the smart idea, in my mind at least, because but on the other side, you have to – this is how my brain works. On the other side, you have to think, well, if this player becomes a good player and then they're kind of – they're a cheaper player, so they're not going to have to pay that player a lot. It's going to help them on the salary – or not the salary cap, the payroll, and it's going to – Help them in many different ways, but finding talent is not easy, and not everyone is good at finding talent. And AJ Preller is one of the best at finding talent. We've heard that before from many different uh, people. We've heard that from many different experts. We've heard that from many different writers. Uh, it's not a it's not a secret, and it's not a it's not a, a hidden message i guess that aj preller is a good developer of talent but he's also been known as we've said to trade away that talent and i don't think that's a bad deal 
in uh, in any way because you have to maximize value. And if you have a player with a big name and you know, hey, this guy's not going to get to the big leagues for the next three years, we got to get him out of here. We can use him to get a bigger player. I think you go for it. So thank you, Austin, for that. And I appreciate you writing in and watching the YouTube. You can join me on YouTube, 97.3 The Fan. If you search that, you'll be able to find the live show right now or watch any other show around 97.3 The Fan. You can watch Ben and Woods for the morning. You can watch Annie and Elston. And uh, you can watch Gwen and Chris. You can watch The Scraby Show. So just head over to the YouTube at 97.3 The Fan. Olivia says on YouTube, I think Mike Schilt will change the Padres' view on prospects. That's a really good point. Mike Schilt coming from the Cardinal way, St. Louis Cardinals. I think that he is a good guy to have around to give his input on how to build a team and how to build a farm system. So that's a really good point, Olivia or Oliva. I'm sorry, it's not Olivia. I don't have my glasses on. Oliva says that Mike Schilt will change the Padres' view on prospects. The Cardinals are very good at using their prospects. Cardinals are very good at developing players. Cardinals are very good at evaluating talent. So anyone who has a background with the Cardinals, especially for as long as Mike Schilt had a background with the Cardinals, I think that he knows a thing or two about building teams, and I think he knows a two a uh, thing or two um he knows a thing or two about uh building rosters and and making deals that are gonna help move the team forward all right, with that said and all those big words, let's move in to the n f l playoffs the n f l playoffs super wild card weekend I love it it's great it's it's one of the most fun weekends for me in sports uh because of how Super Wild Card Rican has ended up in the last couple of years. Uh, they've been some great games. And they always have. Chris says that the best round is the divisional round. And the divisional round will be next week. I think the best round is a Super Wild Card Weekend round because you got teams that are barely snuck in. You got teams that are hot going into the playoffs, like the Packers, I keep saying. I'm going to maybe look stupid when the Packers get trounced by the Cowboys, which could very well happen, but. I don't know. Packers kind of scare me. We talked about the weather games a little bit ago. So Chiefs in Miami going to be bad weather. Now the Texans and the Browns going to be fine weather because it's going to be indoors. But the Texans and the Browns are interesting for one reason to me is basically how is CJ Stroud going to play? A rookie. And I think if you have a rookie... It's going to be a little bit more difficult for that rookie to wrap their head around what they're doing. It's not a regular season game. You have tons of pressure. You lose, you go home. Season's over. So how does C.J. Stroud handle himself against the Browns' pretty good defense? I know the Browns' defense hasn't been good, uh, as good as of late, but they still have Miles Garrett, and they still have uh, some great cornerbacks and it's going to be hard for C.J. Stroud, I think, to figure out how to slice and dice the Cleveland Browns. They're going to be ready. Joe Flacco is going to be ready, too, for the Browns. He's made some playoff runs before. I have no doubt that Joe Flacco is going to be ready to go. Uh, if we look forward to the Steelers game against the Bills, again, another one that is going to be weather crazy. It's going to have a blizzard and 65-mile-an-hour Winds that are going to be gusts, wind gusts that are going to happen on Sunday morning. But the Bills and the Steelers are going to, you know, face off in that. And the one big news story from this game that I think is going to decide things is going to be TJ Watt out for the Steelers. He hurt his leg last week. 
Uh, the Steelers are going in without their best defensive player, and I think that's going to hurt a ton. T.J. Watt might even be the defensive player of the year. He's consistently one of the top three defensive players in all of the NFL. Losing him is losing a lot. Losing him is losing two or, two or three people. And the Bills have a lot to prove. Sammy and I talked about it earlier on the show. The Bills have so much to prove because they have made early exits from the playoffs each and every year, and they've had some disappointing losses early in the playoffs, like really early in the playoffs. And Sean McDermott has a lot to coach for, and uh, uh, Josh Allen has a lot to play for because Josh Allen has has been great, has been good this year, and then he's been bad, and then he's been good, and he turns over the ball a lot. He's not going to be able to turn over the ball tomorrow or Sunday, I'm sorry. And if he does, it's going to be probably – easier for the Steelers to to get past them in the snow. Steelers also have the game for it. Steelers are built for the snow. They're also a cold weather city that also has uh, they also have um, snow is what I was looking for there. I don't know why I forgot the word snow, but I did. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that this is the matchup is going to be one-sided in any way because both these teams are built for that. I mean, the Steelers are built a little bit more with the Steelers way. Packers and Cowboys... That's going to be the 130 game on Sunday. And the Packers, they're going to go to the Cowboys. Now, this is Mike McCarthy fa- facing his original or his uh, previous team, the Packers. And I, I think the Cowboys being at home, if the Packers are able to surprise their defense a little bit early, I think the Packers are going to be able to keep it close, possibly even win. Because when the Cowboys get down, things are a little bit different. Um, things are a little bit different for the Cowboys. They play a little bit tighter. The play calling is a little bit, you know, more conservative. So when, once the Cowboys go down, I look for the other team to pounce. And if the Packers can get up early, I don't know that the Cowboys have what it takes to come back from, say, down 14 or down 17. But we'll, we'll see what happens there. They're, the Cowboys are very good at home. Very, very good at home. So I, I um, everything is in favor of the Cowboys here. They're playing indoors. CD Lamb has been awesome at home. So lots of stuff to watch for in that one. One of my favorite games of the weekend, the Rams and the Lions in Detroit, 515 on Sunday night. And as you all know, the storyline, Matthew Stafford going to Detroit to take on his former team, the Lions, and Jared Goff staying at home to face his former team, the Rams. They were traded for each other. I never thought this day would actually come, but it is. And I have uh, concerns about the Lions. I know that there's a Lions fan in the chat, Chance, but uh, I, I just don't think the Lions are going to be able to make it. I don't think that they're going to play well enough to beat the Rams. The Rams have been playing much better than I think anyone is giving them credit for, and they have a running back in Kyron Williams that no one really picked up on and didn't realize that he was going to be a superstar. And you have Matthew Stafford, who has proved himself in the playoffs just recently. So I think that this is going to be a Rams game. I think that Matthew Stafford's going to be able to stick it to his old team. And unfortunately, Jared Goff is going to have to deal with that loss all offseason. Now the final, the final game of the weekend, the Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is not a very good game. Um, here's the quote in this uh, article I'm reading. If I had to rank all six wildcard games based on watchability, I'm not even sure I'd put this one on the list. And the reason we're saying that, the Eagles are struggling big time, 1-5 in their last six. The Bucks 
They didn't even score a touchdown against the uh, in the last couple weeks. They have not been very good on offense, even though they were at times good at offense this year. The Bucks are at home, so that gives them a little bit of a an advantage, I guess. But the Eagles just have not been playing well, and Jalen Hurts has a hurt finger. You heard Sammy Lev say earlier that Jalen Hurts hasn't even thrown a football since he hurt that f- finger, but... I think uh, this game is going to be a low-scoring game. I mean, I don't know that they're going to score 30 points each. The over-under is 44-and-a-half, and and I I definitely think that's a little too high, honestly. 44-and-a-half for these teams? So you get, like, 24-to-21, and that's 40. Yeah, 24-to-21. Yeah, it's 45. I don't know that we're going to even see that. I think it's going to be a 17-14 game, 14-13 game, something like that. All right. That's it for the playoff preview. We're almost done with the Scraby show. We do have the di- daily gripe, and I appreciate everyone joining me for the Scraby show and for Gwen and Chris earlier. Sam and I had a, a lot of fun doing the show. The guys are going to be back. Gwen and Chris are going to be back on Tuesday when we're back. We'll have all of the weekend fun to talk about. But the daily gripe right now is going to be about something that happened to me yesterday coming home from the golf course. I was stuck in traffic going down or going north on the 101 or the coast through Del Mar, through all of those areas. And one of the things that I can't stand the most, and I know that I can't stand a lot, but is when someone crosses the street, whether or not it's a crosswalk that has a light or if it's just a stop sign. But when you take your sweet time and when you do everything in your power to walk slower than anyone's ever walked before across the crosswalk. It makes me very angry. Now, if you're an older person and you're, or if you have a cane or if you are on crutches, I totally understand. I'm talking about the people who are just fine walking, but they are walking slower than anyone that you've ever seen. And yesterday, I needed to get out of the intersection before I hit the red light, which means that I was going to be backed up. It was probably going to be another 10 to 15 minutes. And I didn't want to drive through the crosswalk because you're not supposed to drive through the crosswalk when someone is in the crosswalk, even if they're very far across the street. So I was obeying the rules and the law. And this person took, I'm not kidding, 30, 40 seconds to get across the street when it was maybe a 10 to 15 second walk. And they knew what they were doing. I was waiting for them for a reason. And so my daily gripe today is those people who walk slowly across the street. Like, everybody's on their time. All right, I'm off my soapbox because now the end music is playing. I appreciate, again, everyone who listened to The Scraby Show this week. First week of The Scraby Show. Thank you to everyone on the chat and on YouTube. And thanks to everyone who tuned in at Gwen and Chris earlier today. If you want to hear anything from the show earlier, you can go to our website, 973thefansd.com. Go to the Gwen and Chris podcast or go to the Scraby Show podcast. You can also go to the Odyssey app, type in Gwen and Chris or the Scraby Show, and you will find everything that you need for that. You can also find things from Ben Woods and Annie and Elston as well. So we have everything in many different places for you. YouTube odyssey app if you type in the name of a show into apple Podcasts, you'll get that as well so make sure you're checking in on us every once in a while more than every once in a while and and you're checking in on the scraby show hopefully everybody has a good weekend this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 